podcast is all about gaming. Everything you need to know. Interviews with leading game experts, news, scoops, and insights. Let's kick it off. Hello and welcome. It's August the 23rd. It's another Sunday and welcome back. Um, After one and a half weeks, no podcast. I'm very sorry for that. Um, There were a few things that we had to improve. One of it was hosting. Um, I got my hoster provider calling me and saying like, hey, Ryan, um, your site is out and down. Why? Uh, Well, many things. How the site was built. Um, On an average, we have around 13,000, 14,000 visitors a day, checking out the news, listening to episodes, these kind of things, how we were hosting. So we changed all of that. And while in the process, um, I noticed that still a lot of people were on holidays. So I decided right away to do something that I was planning to do. And exactly that happened. So new logo. Yeah, I wonder what you guys think. And I also changed the intro, the bumper and the outro. So many thanks for the people that have helped me with that. So welcome back. Um, I'm going to take Game Consultant a little bit more wider. So I might get rid of the name Game Consultant. I'm not sure yet, but um, I keep you posted. Today, today I have Chris Lee and Chris is talking and I have a link to his LinkedIn. He's talking about Joe Rogan and his way of looking at gaming, addiction, these kind of things. And Chris was very, very, um, how should I put it, Uh, on the ball on this one. He had a very clear opinion. Um, The item itself was already uh, done by Chris uh, one and a half weeks ago. Um, So maybe a little bit late, but on the other hand, maybe you guys could actually have some time to digest. So um, Chris is talking about that. Second of all, I have two interesting territories. One is India and the other one is the MENA area. And I was lucky to find some guys that could help me with it. And so the first item is actually with uh, Raul. Uh, Raul is from Games 24-7, a leading game publisher in India. He's taking us through what the company is, well, focusing on the vision, the mission, you know, the drizzle and the shizzle. Um, So Raul is telling about that and, of course, India. And then secondly, I got Timothy of Tomatum Games. Uh, We made fun of it, uh, tomato, tomato, uh, how you should pronounce it, but uh tim is actually i should say tim sorry timothy tim um tim is actually explaining a lot about mina area how he actually got involved in in this territory and also about tomatum so stay put and um do i have anything else yes as a matter of fact i want to tell you guys a little bit about uh, a site that i have found and that i work with uh, it's investgame.net. I will have the link on the side, guys and girls. Uh, anyways, investgame.net. Um, Sergey and Anton, who are daily giving their insights about what is happening on the financial sites of gaming. Um, so if you want to keep track of everything, just go there. And right away off that topic... Well, yeah, actually, there was a new fund in the make, and it's there now, March Capital. 
has launched a $60 million March gaming fund. Guess what? For gaming startups. So guys, check out that site. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode. Give me some feedback. What do you think of the intro? And if you actually have the guts to listen to all the way to the end, 40 minutes of gaming time, guys, then you can listen to the outro. So wonder what you guys think. In any case, let's get this rolling. India and gaming, 5G, mobile, what type of games? All these questions. And so today I'm talking to Raul. Raul is CFO of Games 24 7. Um, since this is very interesting and I really want you guys to take notice, um, I'm going to cut this interview in three parts. Um, it's, it's quite long. And one thing I actually still, what, what what is definitely amazing me is that during our talks, we got disconnected or the line gets worse. So I'm sorry for that, but there's no way else. Um, we couldn't just take a flight and, and sit, <laughs> sit next to each other. So sometimes you have to do and deal with technology to 20 to 20. Um, in any case, let's, let's do this interview. Today we talk about India. And um, as I said before, lots of things are happening uh, in Asia. A lot of people are talking about China, uh, the, the land of opportunities, but the land has been taken by a lot of big, big companies in the likes of Tencent. Um, so in my search also to other territories, um, as you all know, I did cross, come across about Southeast Asia, but also India. And India is also a land of opportunities. It's not an easy country, as we all know. Um, so I was lucky enough to get in contact with Games 24-7. And um, today I'm talking to its CFO, Chief Financial Officer, uh, Raul. Raul, welcome in the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thrilled to be uh, part of, the pod of your pod podcast. Uh, uh, so super excited. Yeah, it's... Um, it's interesting. Um, we just talked about the weather and, and bottom line, you said like, hey, we have lots and lots of rain. <laughs> yeah, this is the time of the year. Yeah. And the, oh, yeah, the time of the year, that's, that's true. So, um, so you have to stay inside, not only because of COVID, but also it's rainy out there. That's right. <laughs> hey, um, Games 24-7. Uh, when I got in contact with you guys, I, I, I was hearing some very interesting uh, backgrounds about the company. Broader, a large company, I would say. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about the company uh, itself? Sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, we we are the largest uh, gaming company in India today, uh, and we've been around for the last fifteen years. Uh, overall, you know, we've grown with the uh, the opportunity in India in the last fifteen years. Much has changed in terms of you know how the country has progressed, uh, and we have been at the forefront of uh, digital disruption. And as you can imagine, gaming is a format, uh, you know, which has fundamentally disrupted entertainment globally. And uh, that's pretty much been the story in India as well. Um, the company has uh, been a big believer in the fact that uh, product innovation will lead to engagement um, because people are looking for more interactive, immersive entertainment 
India is a country with a large mass of young uh, players, uh, and also it's a country that is going undergoing digital disruption uh, at various levels. Uh, so it's a very exciting time, um, you know, to be leading that uh, entire um, uh, development of the market. Uh, and we are, you know, we've to, been to a certain extent the category creators in India. Uh, when our founders started this company, we didn't have the kind of uh, smartphone penetration that we have in India today. We didn't have the affordable data plans uh, that are pervasive in the country. We didn't have the payment infrastructure that's come up very nicely in the last five years. So we've been the beneficiaries of all these uh, mega trends. Yeah. But essentially, I think where we have uh, created a mark for ourselves is the deep understanding of the Indian consumer and also our um, uh, constant investment in technology and data science to be able to uh, you know stay relevant for the uh, the consumers in India. Yeah. Hey, and 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 what I'm hearing is is skill gaming. I mean, there are different, I think, interpretations worldwide about skill gaming. What is skill gaming for you? So skill gaming uh, for us uh, is, um, you know, it's got the element of uh, local content. Uh, you know, we uh, have really uh, taken a very popular game um, in the Indian context called Rummy. And, you know, we have taken it from the offline world into the, uh, into the online uh, space. Um, it is a game of skill. Uh, it is um, it is a game where people uh, can play in a multiplayer format, but at the same time, it's really the ability of the player uh, to be able to use uh, its their knowledge and skills to be able to get a rewarding experience uh, on top of you know it being a entertaining experience is been our forte uh, as a product. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is something that, um, you know, is clearly defined, uh, even from a regulatory point of view, as a game of skill. Uh, and, you know, that is, uh, I mean, skill-based or transaction-based gaming is our uh, key strength in the yeah. market. And, and would you say that that is also part of your success because that's what works in India? That is part of the evolution of the market. So, you know, uh, skill-based gaming is the largest part of a franchise overall. Uh, but the company is uh, diversified today. Uh, you know, we have a casual gaming platform and we also have um, fantasy sports uh, as a product that we offer. Mm -hmm. But the skill gaming is, uh, you know, where we build our capability. So if you really look at, you know, the core of the platform, uh, which is the superior game playing experience or, you know, the content and the game AI capabilities that we have, uh, the marketing automation engine that we built, it's been designed uh, and influenced by uh, the transaction gaming uh, platform that we've created. So the engagement for us is both um, in terms of the gaming experience for the consumers and at the same time, it is a very seamless transaction experience for the players. Yeah. And that is, you know, defined uh, the success for the company in the initial years. And that has become the core of our DNA. Yeah. Uh, and that has worked very well in the Indian context. Yeah. 
but eventually we think that you know the indian consumers uh, will you know start experimenting with other formats uh, casual games uh, india is a you know mobile first uh, gaming economy and you know we think that there will be other formats like esports and other you know uh, newer formats that the indian consumer is you know getting exposed to and that will you know define the the future of you know gaming in india yeah. we'll go a little bit uh, further into uh, um in, in about india a little bit later <clears throat> um about the company itself yeah. i mean uh you got offices uh mumbai do i say bangalore and miami if i'm right yeah the operational presence is uh, all in india yeah. uh, we have uh, we had headquartered out of mumbai uh, we have a technology center uh, based out of uh, bangalore yeah. and you know the workforce is kind of evenly split between these two locations uh bangalore as you know is the technology uh, hub in india that's where you get the best technology uh, uh, talent and we've kind of you know we leverage that uh, presence uh, to make sure that you know, that we get the best talent out yep. there but gaming is a is a global uh, space uh, and you know the talent can be anywhere yeah. so you know we we definitely think that eventually we will have to go outside of india to uh, to get the right kind of talent yeah. that will be suitable for the opportunity that we're looking yeah. at so um by going outside the indian territory um does it mean uh, more offices around the globe does it mean that you might be targeting mna that's something that you know we started to think uh, think about uh, you know we think that um the indian consumers are uh, you know consuming international content uh, because it's easy to um, to offer content that is globalized um, and there are no barriers uh, to a certain extent uh, if you really look at the top um, grossing games in india today most of them come from international studios and publishers um in in order for us to be at the cutting edge of innovation and product development uh, we um we think about international or internationalizing our business as a logical step a next step for us mm-hmm. uh, that's where you know we think our learning will be the fastest uh, we think that we will be able to bring the best content for the indian consumer and the other strategy that we are pursuing is create content out of india for the globe uh, and this year in our casual gaming platform which is ultimate games we are planning to launch uh, games for the us and north american market mm-hmm. uh, so that is um, you know where we want to leverage uh, you know high quality high quality talent in india um, and create uh, games for uh, international markets yeah. so we will you know grow out of india um, and you know we are looking at that those kind of opportunities very proactively yep. it's what you said the becoming the 21st century scientific gaming company build of india for the world that's that's a very, very nice vision i would say uh that's right and i think you are uh, talking about a very important thing which i like to uh, you know explain a little bit more in detail uh, the catchphrase for the company is uh, the science of gaming and you know that's how we look at ourselves we 
we take a lot of pride in the fact that we believe uh, that uh, uh, you know product innovation uh, and uh, the use of data uh, for strategic decision making is a very strong competitive moat uh, that the company uh, has built and this is something which is not easily replicable um and it's um the technology capability the data science capability uh which uh will uh you know be important uh to make sure that you know we are at the cutting edge to give you an example uh in our core skill gaming platform we are able to hyper personalize the customer journeys and hyper personalize the uh the marketing campaigns uh and we have a pretty large user base today and you know we are able to do that um uh we are able to run thousands of you know campaigns at, at simultaneously um and you know customize experiences for the players and i think that is important when you start looking at monetization um and you know we 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 look at um making sure that the game playing experience for uh the consumers is the best in its class we um we have an adaptive learning engine that we have created so that the learning is on a continuous basis and you know we are able to draw on the experience uh, of out of every new customer interaction that we have on our platform so these are you know things that uh, are important uh, when it comes to kind of you know looking for example at, at our conversion funnel uh, you know right from customer acquisition to activation retention and engagement you know the entire funnel is very scientific you know it is data driven the insights that we get um, are data driven we allow our people to um, you know experiment um, infinitely mm-hmm. but the uh, the success of you know all the initiatives the ideation uh, eventually will rest on data and that is when the biggest differentiation that you know we've been able to create yeah. so be it like you know game ai or content ai or process ai you know these are things that you know we we leverage on a day to day basis thanks rao for part 1 games 24/7 and india so next up chris reed chris is talking about joe rogan games and addiction That should be fascinating. Hey guys, welcome in to another read thinks. So today is going to be a little bit different um, as far as kind of the cadence. Uh, wanted to talk about about two weeks ago, Joe Rogan came out with some comments about gaming in general. So this isn't going to be uh, a direct conversation around esports, uh, but just gaming in general. And there were some interesting uh, responses, um, to say the least, coming from some of the uh, comments that Joe made. And I wanted to I had a couple of bullet points wanted to go over um kind of hit home on a number of different things so I wanted to kind of give my my thought process around a few things um if you missed the clip there will be a clip should be a clip um of the highlights of the sh- of that show in the show notes if you want to check that out to kind of give a little bit of context but if you're around the space I'm sure you've probably seen something ar- around that but so first I wanted to say that that uh I enjoyed Joe's podcasts uh I feel that I my I don't know I feel like I've cut my teeth similar to Joe um just coming from the like I don't know background in combat sports um I've got over 15 years of experience in wrestling 
Um, one is a competitor as a three-time placer in Kentucky. Uh, captain my senior year. Our team got third in the state. Um, and real quick for context, look, Kentucky wrestling is not like Pennsylvania, Ohio, California, uh, anything like that. But you know, nevertheless, put in a ton of, of hours. That was a, it was a huge part of my life uh, in high school. Um, and uh, went on to coach right out of school. And really, you know, ever since, you know, had a couple gaps in a couple of years, but um, coached five year five year old kids all the way up to college age athletes. Uh, actually opened up a gym in 2012. Um, basically, it was, it was a half wrestling specific training facility. Another half was boot camp uh, classes uh, for general fitness, and just been a huge part of my life. Um, been a big part of learning how to compete. I, mean, I just can't tell you how much how many lessons I've learned um, being a competitor in wrestling, but also being a coach and. I've just had just such amazing experiences working with some amazing kids and uh, some amazing, you know, other coaches. And but yeah, I worked my way up, you know, volunteer coach, assistant coach, head coach, coached multiple state, uh, state placers. Um, uh, we had back-to-back middle school state championship teams I coached and I've coached um, a couple of state champions as well. So, you know, I, I have to throw it out there because I think that's, uh, it aligns with Joe uh, with, you know, his, uh, his background in UFC being the, you being the voice of UFC and um, his is a background in, in kickboxing and, and whatnot. So throwing it out there initially, um, you know, th- real quick, Joe was a huge Quake player. And, I, and, I'm not, and some people may not have gotten that context. Some people just see these, these, you know, these statements and they don't do research behind it. But Joe was a huge Quake player. So for context a little bit, he, he's not some random person with a podcast, you know, just bashing ba- gaming. And, you know, he put in a, a ton of time in, in Quake. Um, you know, I think it's funny because I think me and Joe have similar personalities that we have uh, addictive personalities in some ways, which can be good because I think that's it's almost what it takes to become elite at something. But at the same time, you have to watch your balance and become very self-aware of who you are and how your time is being distributed. Um, and so one of and that was one of the, the statements he made was, you know, video games are a problem. And people took, you know, video games are a problem and really ran with it and kind of gave their their experience or whatnot. Um, but it can become a problem if you're putting too much time into it and if you don't have a balance in your life, because in the, in the long tail, in the long term, you know, if, if you are putting too much time and effort into something and you're not sleeping, and I know this sounds very basic, but if you're literally not sleeping as, as, as what, how you need to sleep and have that protocol in place, you're in trouble. Eventually you can't live off of three to four hours of sleep every day. And these are actually topics to talk about a lot in, in esports performance and health and things like that. Um, but this is, it's something to understand from, you know, the context of video games are a problem. You know, they, they can be a problem, but in general, you know, I don't, I don't think that blanket statement is, is fair. Um, and it's been interesting to see what other people's perspective on that. So that, that kind of leads me also to, I don't know the social emotional side of this as well. I uh, kind of like my personal story. So I talk about wrestling and competing, but it's very interesting because for me, even going back before that, um, my parents divorced when I was seven and I had a younger brother um, who's actually Reeve in the smash community. Uh, he was, you know, one at the time and it was about a three year battle, you know, custody battle and things like that uh, for throughout that process. And, you know, gaming gave me something very special back then because it gave me something that was consistent. So initially my parents had one week on one week off custody and it it was like two different lives. One week was one life and the other week was the other, but something that gave me consistency was gaming. So, you know, I guess later on in that process or a little bit later in that process was, you know, PS one and, uh, 
you know, Tekken, I'm thinking about Tekken, Ridge Racer, Twisted Metal, uh, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy Tactics. You know, those are kind of some of my go-to games back in the day. And um, But it gave me something consistent because I was able to actually take it. I would take my PS1 to each house. And it felt like, you know, my I don't know, I felt like gaming and my brother were two things, two, two some of the things that were consistent, even though I was in different places. And uh, it was just something that, you know, gaming was very important to me because it gave me that consistency. But also... It ties into wrestling. And some people think wrestling and gaming, what are you talking about? I learned how to compete. I learned how to compete um, through playing video games. So like each week, you know, we tried to each week uh, to get together with my friends and play Smash 64 and some of the party games, GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, and Mario Kart, just on and on, right? And, you know, we didn't play. I didn't play just to play. I played to win. Like I played to compete with my friends, like during the week, you know, working on my up smash timing so I can win in smash 64. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, and so I learned how to compete through video games and that transitioned into wrestling for me because it felt like it was interesting because I feel like you work on your mindset. There's two things. There's the, the mind and the body, right? So you're learning through, through video games very early on. You learned that mindset of competing and grinding and getting better. And you have to have that as, you know, if you're coaching someone in wrestling and specifically, you know, the mind is one side and the physical is the other and you have to bring the two together. And I felt like I had that mindset that I was able to learn through video games, playing with my friends, but also like on the RPG side, if you're playing, you know, just by yourself in AI, you're still pushing yourself to get better. Um, so it's just a great, you know, I guess you bring both those worlds together. Um, there's so many lessons, I think, that they kind of mesh with, with each other. And so for me, look, I, I just, the, the, if you look at the blanket statement of video games are a problem, I don't believe in that. I think there's a lot of good that can come from them, obviously. I think a lot of people resonate with this. Um, but I want to share my story, uh, you know, and put that out there. Um, I think it's something that that we can do, that if you've been in the industry, um, and, and, and just, just as a, you know, someone that's, played games and that has given them a different perspective uh, in life. That's, that's actually helped you. Cause it, you know, there's obviously a lot of negative connotation around it. I do think it's important to share that. Um, but it did, it, it gave me something very special early on. And um, you know, and then the, the last thing he mentioned was beating the odds, which this was interesting because, you know, he told him that a lot of, a lot of people told him that, you know, you want to be a comedian. Why do you want to be a comedian? You know, it's very, you know, like what's like less than 1%, you know, actually make it. And he kind of, um, he said, well, I, I didn't like listen to people, what, what people told me, like, I like to prove people wrong. And I kind of resonate with him in that way as well. And, uh, and th- going back to your mindset, when someone says, oh, that can't be done. It's, I was, I was joking. I think a couple weeks ago, I think when some people say that, like to myself, it's actually motivation to prove them wrong. And it's funny. Cause I think Joe said something very similar to it. Um, but yeah, so the beating the odds, I, I think it's, I, th- I think it's interesting because because he talked about that from his standpoint in his life, but then he, then he went on to say that, you know, obviously not many are going to, are, are, are professional esports players, right. And the numbers, depending on the title, um, you know, it's kind of similar to the tra- traditional sports and um, you know, the probability of someone making it, it's kind of a similar connotation. So a lot of different points, uh, I know it's a little bit, a little longer tale on this, but I wanted to, to include a lot of things and maybe get a little bit of background and context, to all this. Uh, but in, in the end, um, I don't come down as hard as maybe some people have uh, on Joe's comments. Uh, I think some can be really taken out of context uh, in some ways, but some are, are pretty blanket statements and you kind of have to address some of them. So 
I, I do want to get your all's thoughts on it. There is a LinkedIn post I made that's kind of turned into a thread and I'd like to get your feedback on it. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. I uh, will try to get those in there, but appreciate you jumping in and listening. Um, we'll be here um, on the next show and I really do appreciate the time and we'll see you all in the next one. Thank you, Chris. And uh, as I said, you can find the link um, to his LinkedIn profile where he's discussing. Uh, yeah, you see me also in the comments. Um, but again, thank you, Chris. Uh, next up, Tim, Tomatum Games. As I said, tomato, tomato, tomatum games. And we talk about Mina area. Stay tuned. I said, Tim of Tomatum Games. Tim has gone to the Middle East, the MENA area, actually for temporarily, but hey, he's still there and he's over at Tomatum Games and he's doing great stuff. So I asked him, what is it to be in the MENA area, to work in the MENA area? And tell me more about gaming in the MENA area, the Middle East. Talking about MENA, the region MENA, and um, I, have, uh, I have found someone actually that just was explaining his company name. Um, normally you would say Tomatoes Tomatoes, and they have a very interesting uh, company name. I would say uh, Tomatum, uh, but it's Tomatum, and it's where you actually uh, put uh, the emphasis on, it's on the M. And today I have Tim. Uh, actually, his full name is Timothy, but he wants to call Tim. Hello, Tim. Hi, how are you doing? Good, good. Um, so right off the bat, uh, we were actually talking about the company name. You actually mentioned it's, it's, it's the translation is tomato. Tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, tomato means um, tomato in Arabic, uh, but only in some dialects of Arabic, so not all of them. Yeah. Um, so here in Jordan, which is where we're based, um, it's actually Bandora, not Tomatum. Yeah. Uh, so when you ask, uh, or here in Jordan, people ask like, why are you called Tomatum and not Bandora? Um, reason is that it's more recognizable in English um, and it's a nice, uh, easy to have logo and, and, and things like this. Yeah. Um, also had a good uh, joke answer from a co coworker recently. Uh, when, when she was asked why we're called um, Tomato, she, she responded that Apple was taken. So we stuck to Tomato. <laughs> Apple <laughs> was taken. No, no shoot. Um, hey, so so how did you end up with the company? How did you end up in in, in Jordan? And and so what is your daily activity within the company? So uh, my name is Tim. I'm the chief growth officer of Tomatum Games. Yeah. Uh, we are um, the leading mobile games publisher in the Arabic speaking market. Um, I come previously from the network side. Um, and about two and a half years ago, um, I was sort of uh, uh, traveling around um, working online and, and I was putting in touch with the Tomatum guys um, by an old coworker. Um, and I was actually supposed to be here for a, a one month project, like a one month consulting project. Um, but really fell in love with the company um, and the people I'm working with and, and have stayed on since for, for two and a half years. Yeah. So tell me more about the company itself. I mean, um, uh, yeah, obviously a, a publisher, but um, that, that's, that's a wide angle. Can yeah, you, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so so Tomatum, we work with um, international studios um, from the US, uh, Europe, China, Japan, Korea. 
um, the, the sort of main markets. Um, and, and usually with um, developers that have successfully launched games somewhere else, um, so uh, fairly late stage games that are already live, already generating um, significant revenue, um, and, and are looking to really expand um, in, into the MENA region. Yeah. Um, the MENA region is, is an interesting one, uh, with um, Arabic being the fourth most spoken language in the world, but only 1% of online content is available in Arabic. Uh, so there's a huge market gap to fill there. And then combined with um, the highest RPPUs in the whole world, um, in Saudi Arabia, and then the second highest in Qatar, um, mean that we are um, trying to, or we, we work with developers to, to build an Arabic version of their title, launch it, and really capitalize on those high monetizing um, parts of the region. Yeah, because yeah, funny enough, um, a couple of episodes ago, uh, I had Encore Games. They're basically focused in India, so they want to get games towards India and then localize it completely so that it works actually in India. They believe it's otherwise impossible just to, to have, a comp or have a game and then uh, bring it to India and expect it, 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 it will grow. Only a few can do that. So uh, if I were happen to be a developer, uh, let's say from China, and I want to go into the MENA area, I knock on your door and, and what will happen then? What, what is it that, that you do? So uh, we, um, or firstly, let me say I completely agree on the localization bit, and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that uh, over the next half hour, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but but if, you're a, if you're a developer um, from China or Europe or wherever else, um, you send us your game, um, and then we do um, a number of different bits of testing and uh, analytics to see the potential likelihood of that game succeeding in our region. Um, generally, as, as a couple of rules of thumb, if you will. Um, anything that has high um, localization opportunities, anything that has high LTVs, um, so anything that has dependency on, like like the Wales dependency, which everyone's trying to get away from, but um, that works very well here, given those super whales that are really top, top spenders. Yeah. Um, so, so we evaluate the game based on some different metrics um, and some more um, subjective uh, feelings from, from different focus groups. Um, and, and can come up with a pretty accurate financial model, um, sort of estimating what the potential revenue um, and profitability of the title is here in the region. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that then leads to a further conversation about you know, the type of um, partnership we might have with developers and, and how we can get an Arabic build in place and um, owning the uh, development side of it versus more of the live operations and and where it all sits um, on, on that, that, that becomes a, a bigger conversation after we've locked in some of the more um, financial sides of, of the conversation. Got it. Take me through the MENA area, because I, I, uh, I've been talking to several people. It's which countries are considered MENA? So um, the MENA region is um, the... Middle East and North Africa stands for, um, where you have the Arabic-speaking countries, um, which are um, your tier one Arabic-speaking countries are Saudi Arabia, the UAE, um, Qatar, Bahrain, um, Kuwait as well. Yeah. Um, those, those are the most valuable countries here. Um, then you've got your uh, other Arabic-speaking countries, such as Lebanon, Jordan, um, Egypt, uh, Morocco, and, and, and so on. That There's about 15 in total. Um, Revenue-wise, that they, they are small. Um, in MENA region, you actually also have, um, often you, Turkey is considered a part of it, uh, but, but obviously different language, so, so we don't um, normally publish in Turkey, 
Um, and Iran is also often considered part of it, um, but but that's a whole different ball game again, um, and actually also not what we work with. So um, the revenue opportunity is definitely in the Gulf countries, um, and, and and that's uh, also where we're mainly focused. But we publish throughout the Arabic-speaking countries specifically. Yeah, and and talk about total population, just roughly. Uh, so in um, the tier ones, you're about uh, 60 million, and the tier twos, you're about 150 million. Wow. And um, just just sort of demographics, if you talk about um, male, female, is, is who are playing average age, do you have something like that? Um, yeah, that's actually a very interesting question um, based on, on developments within um, Tomatum in the last uh, six months or so. Um, historically, or historically in mobile gaming, so five years, um, say the last five years, it's, it's been very male heavy. Um, anything top grossing has been uh, largely male oriented games, uh, dominated male wives. Yeah. Um, at the start of the year, we launched a game, uh, the first game that's like highly localized in Arabic, um, targeting uh, females. Yeah. So this is uh, was working with Nanobit out of Croatia on Hollywood Story, um, which we localized into Arabic and, and changed a lot of the titles and or a lot of the um, uh, artwork and the storyline and, and just really localized it into um, really really um, nice looking and then you know high quality um, Arabic game experience. Um, and that game like took off like an absolute wildfire. Um, so about I think about 2.5 million downloads in the first. Uh, four months or, or, or something along those lines mm -hmm. um, and, and really dominated the grossing charts as well. Um, so I think what, what that indicates, what that shows is that although um, male-oriented games have dominated things in the last couple of years, um, huge potential and market gap on the female-oriented um, side. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to be launching more games, uh, both in Manabit and looking at other um, games with, with a more female target audience as well. Got it. So going back to the company, I mean, uh, when when did it start? How many people are there working? Um, tell me a bit about the structure and the, and the history of the company. Absolutely. So um, Tomatum was founded in uh, 2015 by our current CEO, Hussam Hamel. Um, he had previously started um, different companies uh, in online game, browser-based games, um, none of which um, massively took off. One, one of them did actually get acquired and, and he started working for a different startup in the region. Um, when, when mobile gaming started to, to be interesting, um, he was still essentially trying to solve for the same thing in terms of um, games for the Arabic-speaking market, like content for the Arabic market, uh, that being underserved now, but even more so back then. Yeah. Um, so uh, Tomatum started as a uh, developer, building fairly casual games, um, producing a large quantity of games, um, getting them out with a lot of traffic, um, ad space monetization mainly, um, and, and, and scaled quite significantly back then as a uh, you know local self-developing, self-publishing um, company um, do, doing very well. Then a couple of years ago, uh, we got our first um, publishing deal um, and found the potential of um, sort of bigger games that are you know more towards the mid-core to hardcore end of the spectrum um much higher rppus um and, and that's where we really found serious potential um so i've actually fully shifted to publishing um since um now utilizing our sort of legacy games for uh, cross promotion and then they still do a lot of traffic and things like this so um huge database of of 
um, historic downloads that, that, that we use now in publishing, yeah. um, but, but we're not actively um, de developing games anymore ourselves. Got it. Got it. Hey, and um, I mean, me now. I mean, I was just saying, like, uh, if you look at uh, emerging territories, well, we're talking India, we're talking Latin. Uh, lately, you hear more and more the MENA region. So we now know which kind of countries, uh, language. Uh, we have a sense of um, what kind of people uh, are playing games. Um, do you see or do you notice that more and more companies are approaching you? Uh, do you see, well, obviously, well, quick quick side question. COVID, what is that doing for you right now? Is it? Are you now sitting at home uh, because you can't go to the office or has that sort of, yeah, passed you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah COVID firstly, um, and then uh, other questions afterwards. Yeah. But on COVID specifically, um, whole region was in lockdown for a couple of months. Um, our numbers, everything spiked. Obviously, everyone, everyone's in their home. Suddenly, yeah. um, mobile games. <laughs> I, I think the whole industry felt this. Yeah. Um, all the DIUs and, and revenues and everything went up a lot. Um, Jordan specifically, um, I, I think, has handled COVID unbelievably well. Um, I, I think in, in the future, when we look retroactively at COVID and, and we see what's what, um, Jordan will make every list of top countries um, that handled uh, COVID the best. So um, here in Jordan, we went down into lockdown, uh, very strict lockdowns at the beginning. Um, like, I mean, there, there's been lockdowns everywhere, but our lockdowns were like you're not allowed outside your house for any reason at all for the first week kind of thing. Um, but it's also meant that we have um, now uh, basically no more cases at all. Um, we've had a total of only 10 deaths in the country from COVID. Whoa. Um, everything is back to normal domestically um, and, and completely, completely, completely um, kept it out um, after an initial um, wave that, that was handled just, just exceptionally well. Um, I, I think it's a shame, actually, that, that it's not getting more credit on an, on an international basis on that front. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that I've been very impressed with um, here, here in the country, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, uh, COVID was there. <clears throat> and obviously, people were at home. So, most likely, yeah, entertainment is there. Movies, uh, music, and games. Um, so, that all together, um, do you see more people... Uh, targeting the MENA region and uh, uh, do you consider the MENA region an emerging market as per today or is it is it becoming an emerging market? Yeah, um, I think uh, the, the, the MENA market is definitely an emerging market. Um, it, it's actually, I, I read a report recently that it's the fastest growing market between, I think it was 2018 and predicted until 2022 or something along those lines. Yeah. Fastest growing market in the whole world, yeah, um, which is obviously exciting for us um, being here. And definitely interest has spiked a lot in the last uh, year or so, I would say. Um, I, I think with... Um, some developers um, facing a lot more competition in, in sort of the traditional key markets and starting to see um, some upside here. So a lot of the uh, developers I'll be talking to would be like, oh my God, my top five whales are all in Dubai or all my top five whales are in Saudi Arabia. How do I get more? Huh. Um, so, so I'm having a lot of those kinds of conversations these days. Um, a lot more um, sort of just high quality inbound um, requests for publishing than, than in the past. 
Um, and, and I think that's really cool. I'm really glad to see that, that um, you know, that the market is getting, is starting to get more of the attention it deserves um, while still being um, incredibly underserved and, and, and showing as a huge opportunity for, for developers. Thanks, Timothy. Sorry, Tim. Keep on saying it. Um, so uh, next week, uh, part two, same as with Raul. I cut it in nice little parts so you guys uh, keep on focused. Because um, I did a bit of field research and I said, okay, so if I do about half an hour, uh, that's pretty long, Ryan. Okay, so if I do 10 minutes, that's pretty short, Ryan. Okay, let's... Let's do something in the middle. Um, that's what we did. And luckily these days I have a bit of help. Um, someone is actually listening to the whole interviews. Um, definitely next week we have then the parts two of these both interviews and a very interesting new interview. So um, thank you very much. As said, uh, Love to get the feedback about logo, intro, outro, bumper, the whole drizzle and the shizzle. Thanks for now. Ciao for now. That was all for today. Thank you for listening and check out our website, podcastgameconsultant.com or subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google. 